1: It's
2: time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live.
3: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you didn't. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs, have
4: some fun. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Schmelk, Meadow, you... 201-939-4513. We'll try to get to your calls early and often. Today is the Giants wrap-up mandatory minicamp. Paul Tattino's out there uh, covering the rest of practice. He'll keep an eye on what's said after practice by some of the players. You had player media availabilities yesterday. You had assistant coach availabilities as well that we've had. It's been a busy couple of days, Mr. Meadow. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. How about yourself?
4: Doing okay. And this is kind of the end of the spring. The most important thing always is that you walk out of this with everyone healthy. That's the number one priority thing. There's no contact in minicamp. So this is really just trying to get your first installation of the playbook in. Brian Dable talked about this yesterday, Lance, where, you know, you want to walk through everything, get everything in. They did a lot of situational stuff yesterday and today where the guys have absorbed everything. So then when they come back in seven weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, they'll – have that second go of that installation and they can go a little bit faster because they've all seen it for the first time.
1: Well, especially the new guys who weren't here last season. I think Brian Dable was also talking about, John, that there's a foundation already built, right, in-house yep. because a lot of the guys that are coming back, they've already been within the offensive systems and the defensive systems. Okay, so now you brought a bunch of new players in. You use the off season for them to get comfortable. And then to your point, you want to be off to the races once training camp starts. So it's playing catch-up a little bit for the newbies, whereas... I mean, just think about where this team was at this time last year compared to this year, and that was something also that Dable reflected on. They're that much more comfortable, but the car doesn't slow down when new players come aboard, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have to jump on as it continues to move, so that's what they're trying to fine-tune, and guys like Darren Waller and Bobby Okereke on the defensive side of the ball in particular, you hope once training camp starts, it's a perfect language for them after they fine-tuned it over the last few months in terms of meetings as well as some of the work, obviously, on the field.
4: Yeah, and look, it's a matter of getting the new guys to where the old guys were, right? I think that's part of this. Luckily, the Giants brought in some pretty savvy and smart bets, so I think they'll be able to absorb this system pretty well. It's getting the rookies where you need them to be. And I think it's important for fans to realize because there's going to be a lot of reporting of what's happening at these practices. We do our practice reports here on Giants.com. And Brian Dable has said this publicly, and I just want to reinforce it, that jobs are not won or lost in the spring. This is a learning part. This is an absorption part. This is a kind of see where the guys are thing. But right now you're not really competing. The competition starts when you come back in late July, and then the pads come out in August.
1: You're testing the, as I point to my head, the intellect of your players during this time period. That's what you're getting out of it from a coaching standpoint. You're evaluating them in the meeting rooms. You're seeing them then translate that to the field even though it's against air, which is what Brian Dable and most coaches will tell you. You know, the offensive linemen, they're lining up and they're pushing through air. (laughs) You know They're not contacting anybody. What are you supposed to know about the physicality of John Michael Schmitz when he's just going through the motions? I mean, just to give our audience an idea of what happens during the course of the spring. And that's CBA rules and regulations, okay? That the union had negotiated with the league. And this has been going on for the last few years. That's why to Dable's point, when they have some padded practice sessions during training camp, you know, then you'll really see whether or not some of these rookies can get on the field immediately and make a significant impact. But at this point, you just want all the new players to absorb the scheme. Yeah. So that they can then combine that physicality with the scheme once training camp starts up. That's the goal. Hey,
4: look, and that's real football. Like, you know, I had a chance to do a bunch of player interviews. They're going to be on the Giants Untold podcast uh over the next seven weeks until we come back at the end of January, uh, end of July, rather. And, you know, you talk to these guys and, you know, you ask them and, you know, you mentioned the offensive and defensive line, but it applies to the wide receivers and the cornerbacks too. Like Jalen Hyatt stressed to me in my interview with him that, look, I, I want to be an outside receiver and I want to, you know, I got to work on my releases, but you can't work How do you on do your, that? you can't yeah. work on your releases against players in, in camp in, uh, in OTAs and mini camp because there's no contact Deontay banks, he likes to get physical with guys and bump them and grind them at the line of scrimmage. You know what he can't do? He can't do that here. So, And on the other hand, I was talking to Darnay Holmes, and Darnay said, look, my big goal this offseason, and I didn't even ask him the question. He brought this up on his own. His big goal this offseason is to be less handsy. You know, he got flagged a lot last year. Sure. Especially at the end of games and the end of halves in two-minute situations, which can kill you because not only do you lose the yardage, but you stop the clock too. The Tennessee game, that
1: helped set up their potential game-winning field goal. I think
4: he had two or three on that drive, if I remember right. So, you know, for a guy like him, he termed the spring as an opportunity because he has to cover without having any contact. And you can't have hands-on. So, It does limit what you can do, but it also provides you an opportunity to work on certain things that maybe you're trying to get better at.
1: No, I think that's a great point. I'm actually, just out of curiosity, I'm bringing the breakdown of penalties up because I monitor that. Holmes had seven, and that was the second most on the team last season, just to put things in perspective.
4: Let me guess who I think had the most.
1: Well, the guy that had the most is really not fair because I assign it to him based on sometimes things that go against the offensive team. So... Holmes, Jones? Correct, yes. So, But once again, that's just for bookkeeping purposes. You can chuckle all you want. It's just for no, bookkeeping purposes. No, no, purposes. no, I'm not laughing. I yeah. think that's fair. I get yeah. it. So, Holmes, if you want to go guy on an island, Darnay had the so, most penalties. So, like,
4: like every delay of game gets put on Daniel. Correct, yes. Yeah. Right. So,
1: well, I mean, I listen, the quarterback, to me, he's it. responsible for that. He's got to get the guys I at the line, it. and you got to hike the ball. So, I'm very harsh, okay? There are no who, shortcuts who would, when it comes to assignments.
4: Who would I think be the third most penalized player? Good question. Oh, we
1: could have brought this game up earlier in the offseason. I'm disappointed could've. in myself. I think, yeah, you could I, I didn't think you were going to take this and nah, this is jump funny. on the ship right. and My go for a stroll My
4: guess is that the third most penalized player— We had on... a tie, by the way. Ooh. Okay. So you have
1: to come up with not one name but two names. Right. I think one of them going to— That's gonna... the only way you get this right. I think
4: right. one of them is going to be on the offensive line.
1: That would be correct. Okay. I'm halfway there. Now do you want to actually roll the dice? Evan Neal, that is correct. Okay, I'm moving my laptop. <laughs> no, over I, didn't see, I didn't see anything. So, okay,
4: all right, all right. So that's one. And how many did they have? Did he have? He had six. Six. Yes. Okay.
1: By the way, these are accepted penalties, just for only clarification. Yes, these penalties. are only accepted penalties. Okay. I should have at least specified that. Now, who would be the next most
4: penalized player? I don't think it would be anyone. They had so many moving parts in the secondary. Dory Jackson wouldn't have had that many. I don't think any of the safeties would have had that many. So I think the I think both guys are on the offensive
1: line. Well, you, you were in the right territory, but the wrong side of the ball. Oh, defensive.
4: Yes, linemen. defense.
1: I think there's going to be a surprise for most people in terms of the other individual.
4: Is it Dexter? Yes, because I know he had a couple of offsides a and roughing. he had a couple of the roughing. Correct, two yep. or three of those. Exactly. So that's how he got
1: up. So he and Evan Neal. We're tied for second with six. I'm not surprised by that. Do you want to go for the third and finish off the trifecta? Oh, jeez. How many did that player have? That player had five.
4: Is that an offensive lineman? That is an
1: offensive lineman. Is he
4: still on the team? No.
1: That's going to give it away. I shouldn't have.
4: No, no, no. no, That's not Nick Gates. Oh, okay. No, not Nick Gates. Not Nick Gates. Oh, Feliciano. Right position. Just wrong.
1: Yes, Feliciano. Shoot. I should have so. known it
4: was Feliciano. That was, that, Would you that like was, to name the three guys that point. had four?
1: No, no I do not. I'm done. I'm done.
4: I think I did pretty well. <laughs> no, not bad. I think I did yes. okay.
1: Uh, jury's out, they say. Yeah. Pat on the back, worthy. I think that was okay. Yes.
4: Yeah, but look, and look. those are the type of things that. that, that well, and that, that was the point. Out.
1: Correct. Yeah, and that's why I went to look at the penalties because not to say that Darnay Holmes doesn't remember what happened the previous season, but there's validity behind him wanting to work on his hands. When you wind up with seven penalties, and you could say the same thing about guys who just want to embrace the physicality, like a Jalen Hyatt, so he gets to understand what life is like in the NFL. It's just unfortunate. And once again, this is nothing against the Giants coaching staff. It's nothing against the Giants. This is union yep. negotiated rules and which if, you cannot navigate. And if well, and if you try to navigate, well, them- there are consequences. Correct. Well, that's why teams don't try to navigate. They're very careful in terms of. Teams get How OTA they go
4: practices yeah. taken away from them all the time. Uh, the Patriots, the Cowboys we've seen. The Ravens have yeah, had a bunch a taken of over teams. the years.
1: Yeah, lose OTAs. Sure. Because of contact. 100%. 100%. Rules are rules,
4: man. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: the old story is, John, what's the purpose of the union and the Players Association negotiating it and then it's not enforced? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, there'd be no point. Yes. Why do you even have it on the paper? And trust it's me. It's not but, even worth it.
4: And the players, especially the veteran players, Know what the rules are? Oh, do they ever? Yes. So if, the
1: rookies—they're anxious to get out. They oh, would yeah. They'd run over anybody in their. Way. Oh, and and like yeah.
4: and, and and like the young players trying to get like a starting oh, job or whatever. They would kidding? contact hit. They would do whatever they want they now.
1: Bite at people's kneecaps. You but know, you,
4: but you have like that eighth-year defensive tackle, and all of a sudden he's like getting hit by offensive line, and he. You don't think he's calling the union rep, but he's like, no, 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 no. he's like,
1: excuse me, (laughs) page three, subtitle one, (laughs) (laughs) subsection XYZ says that on a Wednesday when the wind blows north to south, I am not allowed to use my right hand and my pinky finger make contact with the other player. Uh,
4: And I believe that defensive meeting was about 13 seconds too long. Yes.
1: My clock. Yep. no. Lunch, we're supposed to have the lunch break. <laughs> you know, Got to get the meat and potatoes. All right, I actually wanted to jump to a topic, but Hugo in New Jersey
4: wants to talk about it. So we'll go to Hugo first. And guys, we have some open lines. Give us a call, 201-939-4513. And that kind of blanches us to our second topic here. Hugo, what's up?
5: Oh, good, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I want to start up the call by talking about um, the interview yesterday with uh, Brandon Brown. And, you know, you can't listen to that interview and just uh, not come away impressed with how, how thoughtful and analytical he is about uh, a variety of topics. A smart and, guy. Um, a lot yeah, of experience and too. And he definitely emphasizes, um, you know, the, the collaborative uh, aspects. So everyone being on the same page, which is something that that's good to hear. I uh, guess, I guess after hearing that interview, I fear that at some point, uh, Retention of that kind of talent is going to be a, a challenge, but at the same time, there's been a lot of talent added to the front office. So, and um, hey look, uh, Hugo, here's the great. bottom
4: line if the Giants win a lot of games. People are going to come yep. after the Giants, guys, whether it's coaches or front office staff. If the Giants don't win a lot of games, yep. they're probably not. Oh, look so, at the two
1: assistant it, coaches that got interviewed.
4: That, sure. that, that, yeah. That's how this is going to go. Yep. And, and it, yeah. it, is that fair? No, because I'm sure whether the Giants win seven games this year or ten games this year, it probably has a zero reflection on the job a guy like Brandon Brown did, but that's just how the league tends to work.
1: Yeah, you just it's, try uh, to pull people that are attractive because they're associated with yep. winning, clearly
5: yeah it's it's sort of the self-correcting mechanism that leads to a lot of parody but it, it is what it is um, anyhow um, you, you know so so he was he's sort of not a frontline guy who uh, meets with the media a lot obviously Joe and and, and dates are the the, the front people yep. you know one guy'd i be interested in um, hearing from. Uh, I know I know all the coaches have been interviewed in the U.S. season, is uh, Laura Young, because, just because Brian Dable refers to her a lot. He, I guess he calls her L.Y. Yep, L.Y. Yep. And, and uh, she almost seems like a secret weapon. So I, she's sort of an unassuming person in the background. I like to kind of hear from her. Yeah,
4: Hugo, if you go, I think it's uh, – Pierce, if you can find the date for me on the Her Playbook podcast when uh, when the Laura Young – Uh, interview was posted but we do have an interview with her from last year at some point Uh, if you go to the Giants podcast uh, (laughs) Giants.com slash podcast you click on her playbook Uh, there is an interview down there uh, with her that's probably around what 20 minutes long Pearson something like that so 15 minutes long so go check it out Hugo if you're interested
5: okay very good uh just like to i mean what, one of the things about uh, brandon did talk about was how excited they were about the draft class and their maturity level you know one of the things i really like about this draft class is that they all seem to love football and i'll just hit on each of the players and sort of you know some of the things they said or some of the actions they have taken. Uh, we all <laughs> we all know that um, Deontay Banks is a man of a few words, but I, I sort of chuckled during his first interview when he was asked about what sites he wanted to see in New York, and he just sort of said, I'm here to play football. That's sort of all I wanted to hear from him. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's funny, he, Hugo,
4: you mentioned that. I was talking to somebody on the sideline today, uh, uh, Matt Saitak, who, 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 who uh, writes for the website, and you were talking about and we're like, yeah, you know, you think Deontay... And he was telling me, yeah, Deontay Banks, I think he's a chance to really be a star. I go, yeah, I think he could be a star, too, but not like that I'm out there going to events and I'm going right. to be seen star. The like yeah. I'm a really good football player but I'm going to fly under the radar in like the social scene type guy. That just seems yeah. to be the type of guy he is to me.
5: Well, I guess that you, you know you got to keep in mind these guys are are young and I do remember for example when J- Jason Pierre-Paul was drafted at first They, you know, they kept them, they kept him off, off, off the media circuit. And then eventually, you know, as he matured, yeah, yeah. he got more articulate. JPT was
1: very effort. unpolished when he showed up in that regard. That's Exactly.
5: Sure. exactly. And he also it, didn't it, have a lot
1: of football experience too. Remember when he came to the giants.
5: That's true. So, uh, so that's the banks. Um, you know, everyone sort of knows John Michael Schmidt has high football intelligence. Um, and Alex Boone, who he worked with, uh, confirmed that. And I think Bobby Johnson in his, some of his uh, interviews has confirmed that as well. And i got to say, I, I take a lot of comfort. You know, J- Jalen Hyatt uh, set a goal about putting on weight, and it seems like he's making good progress. That, 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 that's a pretty good indicator to me that a young man like that can set a goal, and it's not just talk. He really works to achieve it. And I, I think he's the kind of guy who takes – the criticisms to heart. So I, I would imagine that he'll take sort of the same focused approach to his route running, you know, because those are the two things, his physicality and route running that dropped, likely dropped him out of the first round into the third round. And I think he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, although he comes across as a very humble guy.
4: Absolutely. Hugo, good stuff, man. Yeah. Appreciate okay. the phone call. Appreciate you. it. Yeah, and another guy that I was trying to put on, what I talked to Cordell Flott in that interview series, he said he's up to 180. Which is a lot heavier than when he first gave it to the league. Was he 165 when he got drafted? Yeah, I mean, some I mean, ridiculous was a slim guy
1: just by the nature of things. Yeah.
4: So a couple of things Brandon Brown said, and then uh, we will uh, get to you, Peter, in the Florida Keys, and again, give us a call 201-939-4513. We have some time to talk today. A few things that Brandon Brown said, I thought Lance, that was interesting. One, um, to Hugo's point, and I, I will confirm this. I had not had a chance to talk one on one with the rookies yet. Because we're doing all our draft coverage, and Madeline does the rookie interviews after they get drafted. So I had a chance to talk to any of the guys. I talked to all of them. And I do think this front office has a a personality type of the type of guys they want in the building. And all the guys were impressive in different ways. Like, you know, Deontay Banks is, is very different than John Michael Schmitz, and they express themselves differently. But both guys, they really like football, and they're football smart. And you could tell that they're good guys that care about what they do. And I think, you know, that's the type of stuff that when we're talking about these prospects that we can't judge because we don't talk to them. We don't get to, you know, like have one-on-one meetings with them. We don't have 30 visits and all that sort of stuff. But I do think they do a good job of of weeding out the guys that could have, I don't want to use this term off the field issues because that tends to make people think of, you know, criminals and things like that
1: no, it, lack of an adaptation i think is maybe the best way yeah to go and, it.
4: and and i think guys that have very strong intangibles that i think you know help reflect and will help them become better football players in the long term
1: well i mean listen there's guys that can have a social life and be committed to football i think it's extremely misleading when we say that they have to live sleep drink go to the bathroom and also all football twenty four seven. You can have a balanced life. I mean, case in point, all of us have careers and we have personal lives. I mean, Pearson's so, out clubbing every night. He well, still shows up and, I mean, and works the show. I didn't want to name get any Nicol- people. Nikolo
6: Jokic not supposed want- to get back to his horses.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know? I mean, he has his priorities straight. You know? He said he wanted to get the finals over so he could go home. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was so like go.
4: When's the parade? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I can't. I make gotta it. go home. You know? <laughs> He better show up to that parade, by the way. I'm sure he not will. Not for
1: nothing. Well, listen, they're going to give him a parade in Serbia. If you've already seen some clips of skyscrapers, they have his images on. I'm sorry he's not president by the well, time he yeah. gets back there. So he could skip the Nuggets parade. Trust me, the parade in Serbia is going to be ten times bigger. His, yeah, I guarantee you. They had you.
3: Djokovic win, too. Serbia is on fire right now. They That's did. That's right, yeah.
1: I wonder, they, I wonder if that parade, they're going to give uh, Joker's brothers their own float or bus. They may. And just say, guys, have fun. They may give the two of them crowns as well <laughs> with the way that they've been such popular individuals on the NBA court. You saw them carrying Michael Malone uh, after the NBA Finals victory. They are all, all over the place. I'm surprised he hasn't named them assistants. But getting back to the point at hand here, I don't think you can just generalize and think that guys can't go out and about. And enjoy the environment. That's all I'm saying. I, I think there's plenty of players that find the balance. Well, and that's the thing, and, this, and that, that's kind of my point, right?
4: Like, Hyatt, Banks, and Schmitz are all very different personality wise. Yep. But they all just seem like solid guys that you trust to take things seriously and do things the right way. Sure. And, you know, I bet you Hyatt will be out there more than the other two guys just because I think that's his personality. But that, that, that to your
1: point, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. So I'm with you. Well, right? and I believe from conversations that the players have had in passing, I think both Banks and Hyatt said they've never been to New York, if I'm correct. Yeah, or maybe they right. were in New York for a game in passing. Now, remember, Banks is an East Coast guy. He's from Maryland. So, I mean, it's not like New York City is something that's earth-shattering. Whereas Hyatt's not necessarily an East Coast guy, so maybe it's a little bit different than him. And as far as the rest of the draft class is concerned, I mean, all of those guys, they just seem well-grounded. But you have to understand, John, and maybe it's a little bit different for the latter picks. But players like Jordan Riley, who played for numerous schools, Trey Hawkins and Owens, who were at the community college level... They're in no position to take anything for granted. No, of course not. Right? You know, I mean, maybe you could say if you're a high draft pick, you have confidence, you have a chip on your shoulder. So maybe there's a concern about taking things for granted and thinking that, you know, it's going to be red carpet treatment. But... To each their own, I don't get the sense that any of the players that the Giants selected high in this draft have that persona. And I also think a big part of that, John, is the coaches they were around at the collegiate level. Let's not overlook that. For example, you know, Eric Gray was with DeMarco Murray, who played in the NFL. John Michael Schmitz, Alex Boone wasn't his coach. We had him on this program, but Alex Boone is a polished veteran offensive lineman. And you look at Deontay Banks, was around Michael Loxley, who we spoke with, who has a wealth of... Of coaching experience, who was around Nick Saban at Alabama, he was with Brian Dable, and you know the same thing with Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, that also influences players too, and I think that's what you're seeing a product of. All right, two zero one nine three nine four five
4: one three. I got a couple more points on the stuff, Brandon Brown said. But I only to get to the calls. You yep. got a couple people online. Let's do it. Uh, let's go to Peter in the Florida Keys. He's up next. Hi, Peter. Hey guys, how
2: are you doing today? We're great. Doing all right. Awesome. So uh, I've been at a conference the last four days, so I haven't really been up to speed with the Saquon uh, talks.
4: and There is status. no speed to be up to, Peter. <laughs> it is status awesome. quo. They're working on it, and Perfect. they hope to have something done. There's really there, there really isn't much else to report, and they tried to get Brian
1: able to do more reporting on that yesterday, and then that was not going yeah. to happen. He's just worried about today. That was his response. Okay. Plus, I mean, nothing's going to really drastically change because June July 17th, excuse me, is the deadline. Deadlines make deals. Yes. They do indeed.
2: Right. So, I have a six hour drive ahead of me, so if Ooh. you would indulge me on a question. Yeah, yeah please, so, go ahead. Um, so, say, and sorry, Lance, it's a hypothetical deal, but I'm just. We'll survive. About yes. I know, I know you love that stuff. Um, Lance loves so say, hypotheticals. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> that in depth, exactly. Uh, anyway. Yes, so, um, 8,
1: depth. Hypothetical <laughs> depth is even better. Yeah. <laughs> I, hope, I hope your hypothetical includes depth. Uh, uh, that's the crown. That's the icing on the cake. And and,
4: and, and
1: and the third place one is is backup quarterbacks. Well, that's part of depth. That's a little overkill. Nah, that's a good point. Yeah, you good see, point. you tried Not to fair. give me a zinger uh, and you came up short on that. But yes, please. This is a <laughs> tremendous buildup to this hypothetical here. Musical chairs is okay. his favorite game, though. That, that, that That's for sure. Yes, that's what I do in my own personal time. Okay. So now we've set the stage. Right. Yes.
2: <laughs> Thank <Sorry>. you. <laughs> Appreciate that. You're fine, my man. <laughs> so, say, say we're in Camp Saquon. Uh, July 17th happens. A deal isn't done. He could always sign that franchise tag. My question for you guys, and I don't know the logistics of this, what would be the leverage or the benefit of him fitting out the season and not signing that franchise tag and not getting that $10.1 million?
1: Zero? Yeah. There'd be no leverage.
2: I can't can't understand why all these these flipping reports are saying, oh, well, if he doesn't sign, he's not going to sign. He's going to lose. Hey, look, the only thing, Peter,
4: he could do. All right, he'll he'll, uh-huh. he'll he will never sit out the full season because if he sits out the full season, he doesn't get in a crude season. The Giants get his franchise tag next year, so oh, no.
1: and he loses out on ten million guaranteed million dollars. So,
4: <laughs> go and look. And by the way, this is the same thing we exact. And this is not just to Saquon. This is the same thing we said on the show about Le'Veon Bell three or four years right. ago. Right. So right. so we're we're being consistent. The thing that he could do that would obviously hurt the Giants, and I don't think it would be good for him either, but is that he stays out. Uh, what week would he have to come back to get an accrued season? I want to say 9, 10. Yeah, 9, 10. I can so look it up. So he could sit out apart. the first eight weeks or so, Pete, and then just show up in week 9 or 10 so he plays – so he's on the roster long enough to get the accrued season. And then that's really not good for anybody, though, which is why – and, and this is just my opinion, in way, shape or form, whether it's on a long-term deal on the franchise tag, Saquon Barkley will be
1: playing a lot of football games for the Giants this year. It's just a matter of how and when that goes on. Listen, Le'Veon okay. Bell was the guinea pig, okay? I think every right. player who may have been contemplating sitting out an entire season yeah. learned from him, and they came to the realization Bell never got the money back, nope, never. even though the argument was, oh, well, this is great. There's not going to be as much wear and tear on him, right? He's saving right. himself. Who cares? You're still losing out on all the money that you were guaranteed. And Bell, I think, this year came out and said publicly that he made a mistake. Exactly. And he regretted it. So you have the evidence. If you're an agent and a player, you have somebody that went through it to come to the realization, yeah, I don't really think that's practical. And as far as the time period that you were talking about, Peter, I brought this up, I think, on yesterday's show, but it's worth repeating. Orlando Brown Jr. was tagged by the Chiefs last year, the offensive lineman who's now with the Bengals. And he didn't show up until you know, maybe midway through training camp towards the latter part, and he signed his tag, and he played under it for that one year. So, I mean, once again, I don't know what Saquon's thinking. I haven't had personal conversations with him, and we're really going down the hypothetical road, but you can see a player, when it's all said and done, they may not be there for day one of training camp, but they're eventually going to show up because, once again, they're not going to sacrifice that guaranteed money regardless of the position they play. Makes
2: complete sense. So, post-July 17th, Is there any trade ramifications? They're allowed to trade him. There's
4: no... He would have to sign the tag and then be traded. He cannot be traded before he signs the tag. And the problem then is, Uh, is that after he gets traded when signing the tag, he can still not sign a long-term deal with that new team. So if there's going to be a a long-term deal on a trade, which, again, I don't think anybody wants that to happen or it's going to happen, that would also have to happen before that July 17th deadline.
2: So if he doesn't sign the tag, does that mean
1: he's not property of the Giants anymore? They have have his rights, but he's not under contract. He's not under contract, yeah. Correct. I mean, there's a placeholder for him right now with respect to the salary cap. Mm -hmm. The franchise tag is there. So the Giants can operate from a financial standpoint, but, which is what you were alluding to, until he actually signs the tag, no, he's not under contract with respect to the active roster for the Giants. That's more of a reason why, by the way, on a related note, the whole narrative and storyline about him not showing up for mandatory minicamp. Well, a player can't show up for mandatory minicamp until he signs the tag because he's technically not part of the team. Those are just the logistics of the CBA.
2: Gotcha. And one last thing. uh, I'm driving from Clearwater to, to the Keys, and I'm going through Miami. I didn't realize Pearson was such a big club guy. So, Pearson, do you
1: have any club suggestions, let me know. I've
0: never been to Miami, and I really don't club. <laughs> they just like to spit lies. No, no. Me. Well, well, Pe- Pearson knows
1: Pearson knows the club scene in Massachusetts. Yeah, so if you want to take oh, an okay. alternative and route there, yeah. and go gotcha. north, he'd be more than happy to fill you in on what the gotcha. Bostonians w- are up to. Gotcha. I
2: was playing a should of would have could game. So cool. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. Now, in, in all
4: seriousness, if, if, if you want to know about some golf courses to hit up, that's something you could ask Pearson. He's all
1: over that. Week 10 is the deadline for players to sign the tag in order to play and collect game checks. There you go. Just looked it up. So that would be a scenario where a player really wants to wait things out. But, you know, once again, you have to wonder, and this is an extension of this hypothetical conversation, if you're Barkley and you're, let's say, playing this season under the tag, you don't get a long-term deal done, does it hurt you, John, if you don't play a full season, especially if you want to present your stock? Yeah, I don't know. Not to say that he can become a free agent because the Giants could always tag him two consecutive years, but do you not have as much appeal if you only wind up suiting up for seven or eight games?
4: I think if he's really good in the final few games of that, probably not. But look, I, I just, I, look, Saquon Barkley loves this loves team. He loves his teammates. I don't see him sitting no, on No, I'm with season. you. I just, I just don't think that's a realistic thing here. But who knows? We'll see. You never know with these things. Things change quickly, well, and guys do things that are unexpected. So
1: They do, but I think we all need to take a step back and come to the realization, and listen, we do a program 24-7. Around this time of year, there's not a lot going on, and look, right? And, and, and people need stuff to talk about and write about. And look, and our, I get that.
4: And our opinion on this is why we don't talk about it a lot here. Because we, I mean, the the Giants have his rights. That's not going to change, and he's
1: going to play. So, well, no, 100%. Whatever. But, but John, also in fairness— And this is why I like to look at history. How many times have we seen a player be given the tag and he doesn't reach a deal? Happens all the time. Happens happens all all the time. time. And have haven't we heard guys threaten? I'm unhappy. This is ridiculous. I'm respected. So why are we? going crazy on no
4: and, and honestly and and to our listeners credit i don't think the listeners to this show have been going no, crazy I'm not we, saying they are yeah, yeah we and there's people on the outside that i think you know get wrapped up in this sort of stuff which i get sure. look it's important he's one of the most important players in the team i get it but i think they'll figure it out saquon's a smart guy he's an adult he loves to play the, he loves the giants he loves his teammates here all that stuff i i think it'll get figured out one way or the other and he'll be here playing. Do you think Wilson
6: here. is handling this uh,
4: com- no, calmly? I do not. Is he on the line? Okay. Well, that's no, good. Don't,
1: <laughs> but you know what happens when you bring up yes. Caller's name's Pearson. Pearson, okay? look what you did. You're a glutton for punishment, okay? All right. Lo, lo, <laughs> There's let's... another guy guilty of that, and I will not mention it.
3: Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: Let's uh, go to Marty and Manahawk, and he's up next. Hi, Marty.
2: Hey, John. How are you doing?
4: What's up? John,
0: I'm a little more off.
4: I don't get a this hello, Marty. What,
1: what happens? I'm, I'm chop liver here. I <laughs> say no. no. Sorry, Lance. No, I'm I'm okay. I'll survive. No, I just I, I was saying, you know, John gets a greeting. I don't. I don't know what I have to do to get yeah. a greeting. That's all. I was a little insulted, no, but it's okay.
2: Yeah, forgive me. That, Be a little that's less very grumpy. disrespectful, no, Godfather.
1: <laughs> it's okay. No, no, no problem. We won't put you in the uh, doghouse as a result of that. <laughs>
7: okay. Hey, I'm a little uh, more optimistic now. I was reading uh, one of Patty, Patty Trainer's articles today, and uh, you know, she seems to have some pretty good information. Uh, you know, she talks to somebody there, and I have I have a I have a, a feeling that uh, it sounds like the only thing that might be holding up uh, the Saquon deal is the guaranteed money. It's not the APY. It's uh, it's guaranteed money at this point. And, well, Marty, uh, in, in the, fairness,
4: that is the usually the toughest bridge to cross on these things. So that that's not a small. If again, I have no idea if that's the issue or not. I'm not commenting on that, but guaranteed money on a contract is usually literally the most important thing that gets negotiated in these contracts. So that's not a small thing is my point.
7: Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so either. But I think that that's, that's uh, what they have to work out. And uh, I think you'll see Saquon in there sooner than later.
1: Well, I mean, we'll listen, see. I think everybody would love to see that have come to fruition with respect to the negotiations. I mean, with the respect to guaranteed money, I think you could say that, Marty, about every player's contract. I don't think it's just necessarily the running backs because, you know, what happens is you see years, four-year deal, $50 million, and then, you know, the last year the team could get rid of easily. That's why average annual salary is a nice number, which is attractive if you're doing the rankings and you want to see who's first, second, or third. Players and agents, if you ask them, they're much more concerned about what is guaranteed upon signing that the player or my client will actually walk away with. Yeah, and based on how the contract is
4: structured, when is the first time the team can get out of this contract and then what money disappears? Yeah.
1: Well, that's why, John, to your point, if you tell me a player's making $16 million a year, is he going to be here for the third and the fourth year of the contract? What difference does and it make? And sometimes then? in those third and fourth years of the contract, they might be
4: making like 23 or 24. So they only actually make 12 or 13 in the first exactly. two. So yep. then that's sick to your point. The 16 really doesn't
1: matter. Yeah, and so that's why, circling back to Marty's point, it's definitely. The guaranteed money yeah. does a lot of the heavy lifting.
4: I mean, I think even the the Daniel Jones contract is an example of that, right? Like that yep. last year, the cap number is fairly large, so it, it's it, it's going to be tough for him to play under that cap number that year. So if you take the first three years, and I don't, there's there's very little guaranteed money left in that last year. So you take the first three years, it averages out to about thirty-seven and a half, and then you figure it out from there. That's it. All right, Marty. Okay, fellas, sounds good. All right. Appreciate the call, yeah. man. 201 939 4513. 201 939 4513. Hey, folks, don't forget to go subscribe to the Giants Little Podcast. We got some good stuff up on there right now. Jonathan Casillas in our little player's corner I had a chance to talk to Giants wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins. Check that out. Uh, my interview with Sam Monson's there from last week. Uh, Lance's interview with DeMarco Murray, Eric Gray's running back coach in Oklahoma. We're going to have PJ Fleck coming, I think, next week. Lance and I talked to him about John Michael Schmitz. He's the Minnesota Golden Gophers head coach, so make sure you check that out. And then, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I mean, I did literally about 54 interviews on media day with different players and we've split them up by position and they're going to be going two or three times a week uh everybody in each position group day by day they're short they're only like three to four pop three to four minutes a pop in terms of the individual ones but you put them all together you got yourself a podcast so make sure you go check that out you can find it at giants.com slash podcast or go to the giants mobile app or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and if you're on apple podcast for this show For Giants Huddle, for any of our programming, make sure you leave that five-star positive review. It will really help us out. And as you all know, the 2023 NFL schedule is officially out, and single-game tickets are on sale now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. Brian in Alabama. He's up next. Roll Tide, Brian.
0: (laughs) Roll Tide. Hey, I love the show. Just wanted to pro- pose a question to each of you. Uh, to have a little fun with the roster. Sure. Uh, I think most of us would say we're excited. The roster this year has less holes than last year. But if each of you uh, had the ability to improve two positions on defense and two positions on defense with not, not the specific names of players, but, hey, I want to shore up this position, on offense, this on defense, What are the two uh, positions each of you would identify, and I'll take it off there.
4: Thank you, Brian. I'm going to tighten that up, Lance. Give me one on each side, and then I'll give
1: a different one on each side, and that'll be... I, otherwise, we'll list every position. Sure. Well, <laughs> I've floated this out on previous shows. On defense, I would say the third pass rusher would be a position. So I'm going to be very specific. I'm not just going to give you a position group. I'm talking about you got Aziz, you got Kavon, a third guy who is insurance in case one of those two goes down. And I think any team that is high up in the sack department normally has that third pass rusher that rotates in and gives you a respectable sack number. So that would be my defensive side. I'll do my defense and then we'll jump to offense.
4: Defensive line, I think you're really happy. That to me is the strongest position on the roster. So that's good. Corner is interesting. I really think the addition of Bobby McCain and his ability to to play that slot spot and compete with Holmes and Flot, who are also going to be in the mix there, I think you have enough bodies there. And I think if Banks is what you think he is as as a first-round pick and you have Adore Jackson, you have two starters you can rely on outside. So you can always have more depth at corner, but I think I'm good enough at that spot now since you got Banks in the first round. So I'll slide that aside. So then I'm really down to safety and inside linebacker, right? And I just don't know Darian Beaver's health. You know, he thinks he's going to be ready to go at the start of camp. We'll see. Jared Davis, he's fine. But how much is that second linebacker going to be on the field? I'm going to go safety here, Lance. So they have some numbers at safety, right? Like Bobby McCain's done it. But again, I see him as more of a slot than a safety. But he can certainly do both. Um, He's done both successfully. You know, Pinnock played a lot last year. Dame Belton's a young guy that they like. They drafted Javarius Owens.
1: But... Nick McLeod now is moving
4: there too. Great point. And Nick McLeod's moved to safety and done that. But you don't have that next sure thing that I guess McCain can kind of qualify there next to Xavier McKinney where you know exactly what you got like you had with Julian Love last year. So – I guess I go safety, but I I think the depth on the defensive side of the ball is actually pretty strong, to be honest with you.
1: Well, they made an effort, I think, this offseason to address a variety of the positions. I think what you're getting at is you want to feel comfortable with that proven commodity. At safety. Yeah,
4: and I feel like he wants to play more safeties than linebackers, and I think maybe that's why I picked safety. I just don't think he's going to run a bunch of these inside linebackers on the field a lot, but I think he could use three or four safeties. Without a doubt. So that's why I went safety. I think there's actually more players at safety than inside linebacker, but, but because of,
1: you know, he asked me to choose where I would bolster it. yeah, so That's why I would bolster safety before I bolster inside linebacker. Well, it seems where you're going is where I went, because I said third pass rusher. I think you're looking for the third safety. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe somewhat a degree the second guy, too, correct, because they don't have a Julian Love who had that versatility. But, you know, that's what I think should be identified. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, it is a little bit more challenging to me because we've talked about, I think they made a concerted effort to bring in depth across the board. But if you wanted me to give you one spot, I probably would point to the offensive line just because there's some question marks still there in terms of who's going to start. So, for example, swing tackle, and I know Tyree Phillips comes to mind. I but, think swing tackle's a spot I would have put a spotlight on too. So that would be the area. And then I'll also throw out, you know, who is that backup guard slash center that's the first man up who's maybe could be Bredesen. also— somebody that's going to start. But my, I guess my point is, if Bredesen starts, John, right. okay, mm-hmm. now you need somebody else to assume the Bredesen-esque role. Hassan I guess, could be one uh, of those guys. Yes, Hassan definitely mm-hmm. has experience with the Steelers. Azudu, uh, we haven't seen much at center in terms mm-hmm. of games. Okay, so he's a bit of a wild card. So, I mean, that's where I think the place to go is on that side of the ball.
4: <sighs> I'm going to cheat I know he said, add a. He says, ah, maybe I'm not cheating, but maybe I'm bending the rules a little bit. He said, where would you add a player at a position? Well, it was also
1: improve, too, I think, was the word he utilized. Correct. So I think this all applies.
4: And, and that's why I'm going to go with improve here. But I, I, I do think swing tackle is one spot between Parrot and Tyree Phillips, you know, who, who's the swing. And Corey Cunningham's in that mix, too, right? He played a yep. lot of that, you know, exo tight end last year, too. I still think long term, what would give this team a real big boost is to have a true number one wide receiver. And if I'm really targeting one thing as I'm building this roster out over the next year or two, that's what I'm trying to get. And even if it's not like a, you know, top tier, you know, top three, four wide receiver in the game, you know, the Jamar Chases, the Justin Jeffersons, the Tyree Kills, the Devontae Adams, someone in that group. But can you get someone in the next group? Can you get Tyler Lockett level guy? Can you get a a Amari Cooper level guy can you get um dk metcalf level guy you know someone like that who you know they don't have to be an all pro but is going to be in pro bowl consideration a wide receiver if i was to add one thing to the offense that i think would make the biggest impact on the roster i think it would be that
1: yeah i mean that's why it's going to be interesting to see is darren waller operating like a number one wide receiver this year. I want Waller plus that guy. No, I know you want Waller plus that guy, but what I'm saying is I think it'll be more interesting to see how the dynamics of the offense Mm -hmm. play out, where if Waller serves as the Travis Kelsey type of player in Kansas City, and remember, Kansas City doesn't have a number one guy anymore with Tyreek Hill gone. Mm -hmm. Can that function and can you utilize that long term? I think we got to see it first before – maybe we take it up a notch with respect to the huge need. I mean, that's a nice luxury to have. I still think there's potential in this wide receiver group, as I've voiced on numerous occasions. But yeah, of course, you'd love to know. You could bank on going into every single game and you know exactly the level of production you're going to get out of one guy in particular. And right now, do they have that guy in the roster? No, they have potential, but there's nothing that's been solidified at this point.
4: Yeah, and, I, and look, that that's hard to find now too. I mean, it's just not something that is easily found in the NFL. You know, these guys don't become free agents, number one wide receivers anymore. They do get traded and they get drafted. So that's kind of how you have to go about getting them and to get like that true number one usually you have to pick pretty high. Now, not all the time. Like Justin Jefferson got picked later in the draft. Stephon Diggs got picked a little bit later in the draft, so you can find somebody end of the first round.
1: That's the best path to yeah. go. The draft.
4: I, I think that's what it's gonna have to be. And this wasn't a great wide receiver class this year. I think next year's probably gonna be a little bit better. You obviously have Marvin Harrison Junior at the top. He, I mean if he's not a top seven, five, four pick in this draft, I think we'd all you ask, well, okay, he must have got hurt. I think you know that. I think that's got. Or a some other factor came up. Yeah, correct. Something weird came up where where he's not going to be that guy. But we'll see if anyone else can kind of step up and uh, also be in that conversation next season.
1: You know, it's interesting, John. On a related note, I'm bringing up Pro Football Focus's their top ten ranked wide receivers from this past season. Mm-hmm. And if you just went through, how did their respective teams acquire them? It's all drafted. It, it's just that it's a very interesting, I think, exercise to do. The Dolphins got Tyree Kill right. They had to trade for him. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Okay. Here's a guy that was drafted yeah. and has developed nicely. Justin Jefferson drafted Devonte Adams. Acquired by the Raiders. Trade. Stephon Diggs, acquired by the Trade. Buffalo Bills. A.J. Brown was Trade. traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Cooper Cup drafted draft. by the Rams. C.D. Lamb, drafted by the Cowboys. Keenan Allen was drafted by the Chargers, and he's last forever. And then Jamar Chase rounds out the group, drafted by the Bengals. So, you know, you have one of two options. You either draft the guy and mold him into the star, or you got to give up draft assets and give him a new contract in order to bring up that top-notch guy. They're too viable. Teams don't let him leave.
4: It's the way it is. Let's go to Ian in New Jersey. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live.
6: Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? What's doing? up? Doing well. Uh, so I got three quick questions, and I'll take it off air. Sure. First is Daniel Jones. Do you believe it's a possibility that he might be feeling more pressure this year than last year because now there's less room for excuses? Now we have Darren Waller. Now he has Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, and Eventually, Sterling Shepard, Wegums back, Wondell Robinson, hopefully Saquon. So do you think it's a possibility that he feels more pressure because now there's less room for excuses? Second question, is, Dan, is uh, Saquon Barkley, do you believe there's a possibility that he kind of waits because the deadline is so far away? Do you think it's a possibility he waits for Dalvin Cook to get a contract from most likely Miami?
4: I'm not sure if that contract's going to help his
1: case, Ian, to be yeah.
4: honest with you. So he
6: might not want to wait for him to get that contract.
1: I don't think Cook's contract is going to move the needle. I, I I, I, think, you know who's going to move the needle? Josh Jacobs. If Josh Jacobs gets a deal, yeah, that could. that that changes things because Jacobs is in the same position as Saquon and is a huge weapon for his respective offense. Like, I'll be shocked if Dalvin Cook gets more than 7 or $8 million. Yeah, I mean, well, look at the teams that are suitors. They don't have a lot of space. Who has a lot of money? And A, also he'd be going to a team where it's a backfield by committee as opposed oh, to, you know, he's coming in and being... Saquon Barkley. Even
4: even if he goes to a team like the Bills or the Chiefs, you know, his brother's in Buffalo where James they cook. spent a, a, a high draft pick on him, and, and the Chiefs um, had uh, not Pacheco McKinnon. and Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, no, yeah McKinnon, McKinnon and, and Pacheco. And Pacheco. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, Ian, I don't think the, the Cook thing's going to move the needle. What's number three? Uh,
6: number three is a couple weeks ago, Matt Ariza was proven innocent and they— quitting him of all of his chargers or whatever. So do you think it's a possibility the Giants look his way, maybe as even a tryout, as maybe more a little bit more security at punching because the stuff he's done, I think his first punt in the NFL was 80 yards in a preseason game. So do you think it's a possibility the Giants, you know, try and get a legit I – I don't want to bash anybody. Do you think it's a possibility they get, take a step up and reach for him?
4: I appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. It's a good question. Um, Ariza has not been signed by the yet. No, he believe. did try Ariza. out for the Jets, though. Yeah, I believe. Now, this is rough situation for him. Obviously, you know, you get accused of something; they end up dropping the charges. They did. And, yes, there's again, still
1: a pending civil lawsuit that is playing out.
4: That's the thing. I, that's why I, you know, he said proven innocent. You not I don't think that's really kind
1: of. Bottom well, yeah. line
4: is that there are no criminal charges No, anymore. the
1: district attorney didn't find Correct. enough evidence to pursue charges, right. which I mean, is the best way to look at it.
4: And I think as yeah. people who are not private investigators or, or police, I, that's kind of what we have to look at. I don't know what the Giants think of him and
1: whether or not they like to bring him in. I do know they like Jamie Gillen. They well, I think that's more—I'm sorry to interrupt. No, please, I think that's—the question is more of how do they feel about Jamie Gillen. Right. I don't know if it's a matter of—I mean, listen, you always do your due diligence, John, to try to bring in other players, but I think right now if you ask the Giants, I, I think they feel good— about moving forward with Gillen. So that's where I think the answer lies.
4: Yeah, and they haven't brought in another punter in the offseason to do it. Now, sometimes you will bring in somebody in the summer because these guys are kicking more, so you just want to take some stuff off of their legs. Now, Jamie Gillen and leg strength, that's never been an issue for him. He's still a younger guy, so I think that would be fine. Uh, But, I mean, have the Giants looked at him? I'm sure they have. I don't know what this front office thinks of him or how they evaluated him in the draft when he got picked uh, a couple
1: years ago. I think every front office, I'm sure, is doing their homework. But, you know, once again, I think if you're going to make a move also for a punter, keep in mind, it probably, to your point, would happen just as training camp yep. would start. But mm-hmm. I mean, what's the purpose of bringing him in now? You're not doing Correct. any work. And I think Gillen can handle anything you get out of the punter in OTAs. And they also have the machines, too, that can help guys field punts. Yep. So if there's going to be a move like that, it would happen right as they report back for training camp. Agree. All right, now the first question.
4: Yes. This is going to sound maybe stupid. I, I don't think Daniel Jones feels pressure. <laughs> he kind of just is such like a straight line dude, like I just don't get the sense that he's now thinking, "Oh, well but now, you know, we got all these guys here. Now it had to be better." I mean, I guarantee you, Leo know, Lash, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, Lance, but I mean Daniel Jones was trying to save his NFL career last year. I mean, if Daniel Jones has a bad year last year, and he doesn't get re-signed. No one else is signing him as a starter. He's getting signed as a backup somewhere. Let's be honest, right? So, first of all, I don't think that's the way Daniel looks at it. So I don't think this is going to impact him at all. But just from a logical, personal perspective, dude, he knows what check he's cashed. He knows what the signing bonus was. Like yep. the the most, in, he he's gotten the most important contract any NFL player gets—a second contract. So does he maybe feel some pressure to perform? Sure, but. Last year was the most important season for him in his career. No question about it.
1: Yeah, it was the crossroads of his career. I was going to take it a step further, John, and I was going to say, I think every quarterback that receives a contract feels some type of pressure. Yeah, of course. Right? Right. Uh Uh-huh. Because isn't somebody in the draft always coming up from behind and looking to replace you? Isn't every team also wondering, is the guy we have who we want to invest in moving forward, or do we want to go in a younger direction? I mean, look at Zach Wilson, for example, not to get off topic. The Jets drafted him not too long ago, and they go out and they get Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, even a rookie can't take for granted. Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray, right? So if a rookie who's on a rookie contract can't take for granted his job, you don't think that a veteran like Daniel Jones is not feeling the – pressure coming just with the role and the job and yeah. the territory. But I just think that's how he handles it every year regardless. I sure. Think that's yeah. I the don't way think he's overwhelmingly right. exactly. thinking about right. it any different. But I just think, I guess what I'm getting at, John, by default, I think every quarterback has some feeling of pressure. I think every NFL player does. Because their job could be taken away from them. In the blink of an eye. Now, I think given the contract, it would be very difficult to take that job away from him very quickly. Well, because- you're bringing the salary cap ramifications yes. into play. So well, there's some security that comes. I, I feel like there is some security there <laughs> yes. for Daniel, 100. percent But no,
4: I I, I don't think. To if the, if Ian if if what he was trying to get at that he's gonna be like oh, I need to be really good this year and then he like chokes <laughs> under the pressure I don't consider no, that to
1: be an issue. I don't think and I also I think a lot of these guys are self motivated where and you wh- have to be yeah whether they have the contract or not they know they have to go out and perform at a specific level because I mean that's the fine line you walk between winning and losing so I, I never get the feel that Daniel Jones or you know even if they get something done with Saquon Barkley that. All of a sudden, they go into this room and they say, "All right, well, everything's done with my career. Now I'll sit back and sip on a pina colada." Kind of my Yeah, the paycheck. I just, I don't get that feel from a lot of guys, and and we have plenty of examples. You don't even have to look at the Giants. I mean, look across the NFL. Tons of guys have gotten bay and still perform at a very high level. I think now, in Daniel fairness, and Saquon fall onto that.
4: He has been clubbing with Pearson a lot. So, well,
1: you know, that's why the Giants are doing everything they can to, you know, get Pearson from. Negatively influencing <laughs> the rest of the roster now, and fairness, the staff overall.
4: And, 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 and being completely transparent, those are probably the two people in this building I think are least likely to be clubbing, <laughs> besides you, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, you more of a dive
0: bar on. guy. Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. Right, uh huh. And I imagine Daniels probably more of a dive bar guy too. If it, if, if 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 I'm taking a guess here. That's just a guess. Well, I could on, be wrong. On a related note, you know what it
1: got me thinking of? Oh, I know. No. Well, I want to hear this. Yes. Oh, no, but... no, no. I'm actually, I'm going to bring it back to planet Earth, this conversation. Uh, I wasn't going to go. That's too bad. Yeah, I know. So be disappointed. No, when Brian Dable spoke to the media yesterday, if I'm correct, he was asked a question about, do you have to go to Daniel and say, over the next few weeks, take a step back? Yeah, no. And And he goes... Daniel is built where he only has one mindset, correct? and he's going to go into his room and study 24-7. And, you know, and, and
4: that was the point I was trying to make, and I think you just made a lot better than I did, where that's why I don't think this outside yeah. stuff is going to affect gonna his
1: mindset it. or his approach. Yeah. And, and any quarterback that does change their mindset, they're probably not going to be in the NFL for very long.
4: If you, and look, if we and we always make this joke when people talk about you know like bulletin board material during the week and heading into a playoff. Oh, do you oh, have yes. added added motivation for
1: the playoff game.
4: Yeah, because I really didn't care if I was going. to win. But that guy said something no.
1: mean about me. That's it. Now I care. Now I can run through a brick wall. Exactly. Prior, I was only going to run through a paper wall. Yeah, now correct. I'm going to take it through a brick wall.
4: All right, Giant fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com tickets. Limited inventory is available. And don't forget, the Giants' official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV and the Giants mobile app. Datino loves the free stuff. But I don't think he actually has any of those digital services, so I don't think he's going to be able to take advantage of that free download. He's going to have to just download it on his phone. I don't think Datino
1: needs those digital services. I think he finds other ways by having somebody stand on the roof with an antenna and getting some he type a- of a signal. He
4: actually does other things where... I know. Well, yes. I'm not
1: going to give away the skeletons in the closet. No, I'm not doing so, that either.
4: Yes. I, I just said other things. Paul knows.
1: Everybody can use their imagination. Hopefully,
4: Paul's the only one that knows, or they could be trouble. Let's go to Lucas you never in know. New Jersey. When he's Big up brother next. is watching.
0: Hi, Lucas. Hey guys, how you doing? What's up? Doing right? Good. Uh, I just was wondering. I saw an article come up about Yannick Ngakwe. He's got a new agent. Yeah. Uh, he just did this last year. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know how Drew works quick, and and this guy Yannick, you know, sixty five sacks. He's coming off two almost ten. Zach, years last year he had nine and a half with the Colts. I, I just wonder if I was um, Joe Shane. You know, no offense. I, I think he's been doing a great job. And, and what do I know, right? But um, I would. Leonard Williams has this big hit, and then you got Saquon, who's like you know we all want that deal done. So uh, if I were him, I'd probably let go of Leonard Williams, get Yannick. Right, he played with with Bobby O'Carry last year, and 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 paid Saquon and, and, and it, well, it free up money by, by getting rid of, rid of well, Leonard
4: Williams. Lucas, Lucas, I, I honestly, I think you have this backwards. Signing Saquon to a long term contract lowers his cap hit. It doesn't raise it. They don't need to clear any money to sign Saquon Barkley. They have that money available. So there is nothing that you are going to do that's going to impact that. They have the money for Saquon because they have his cap hold yeah, on there for the franchise tag and if they sign him to a long-term deal, the first year of that contract is going to have a lower cap number than the $10 million that he has on the franchise tag. So take that out of your mind. True. That has – Saquon's contract has nothing to do with any of this. All right, now let's get to the first part of your question. I think Leonard Williams is a much better football player than Yannick Ngakwe. I think he's a better two-way player, and they also play different positions. You know, Leonard Williams is a defensive tackle and a three technique, and Yannick Ngakwe and is an edge rusher. Uh, I've also read in that same report that Ngakwe wants a multi-year contract. He doesn't want a one-year deal. And if he's going to sign a multi-year contract, I promise you, he's going to want to get paid on that multi-year contract because you only lock in multiple years if you're getting a good amount of money. Otherwise, you're going to go to year to year and hope you blow up and then get a big contract. So I think if you let Leonard go, which, again, I, I never thought that was a possibility this year. I still don't. There's a lot of dead money there. Whatever you sign Ngakwe to is going to get the cap number back up to whatever it was before because the money you save on Leonard is what you're going to pay Ngakwe. There's going to be no extra money there anyway, and you're downgrading in terms of quality of player. And Leonard Williams starts for you, Ngakwe would be your third edge rusher. He wouldn't even be your first or second edge rusher with Ojolari and Thibodeau here. So, that's the way I see it, Lance? Am I missing something there? No,
1: I I would agree with you. Well, the other thing I was going to say is Ngakwe also doesn't know your system, and Leonard Williams does. Remember, I mean, you brought up, you said Ngakwe plays with Bobby Okereke. Great. That wasn't Wink's system. That was Gus Bradley's system. So, I mean, that to me is irrelevant because you also have plenty of guys that are familiar with one another currently on the defensive side of the ball. I would wholeheartedly agree with you. I think Leonard Williams is a better run stopper, and that's critical for a team that struggled against the run last better season. Better all around player. You would be taking Ngakwe. a step back, right. you could argue, in terms of your run defense. And if the goal is to get rid of Leonard Williams to bring in Gokwe, if, once again, if you're only going to give him a one year deal because he's not content with a multi year deal, then you're back to square one next year, too. So you actually hurt yourself, not just this year, John. You hurt yourself, I would say, in the immediacy now, of the next few years. Leonard's also a free agent No, Leonard, yeah, too. But, but once again, yes. Leonard may be worthy of investing in again, if Correct. you'd like, compared to Nkakwe yeah, I, after I one year when his contract
4: Yeah, Lucas, and, and, and maybe your opinion on the players are different. That's fine, and, and please feel free to express that. But I think Leonard Williams is a better player. So I'm not going to cut a better player just to get a
1: worse player on a lower – Cap number, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like Ngakwe, and if you Mm -hmm. could bring him in as a third pass rusher, that's a heck of a luxury. But I would do that tomorrow. But I'm not losing. But no, I would not do that to sacrifice another player currently on the roster. I would do that though if the money and flexibility was present to bring him on on top of what you already have.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, because Yannick's going to want probably like around that twenty million dollar ball. Oh, uh, he ain't he ain't getting uh, that uh, dude. Yeah,
1: I I don't twenty million a year. I don't think he's getting that. I mean, he signed just, I brought it up. He got mm-hmm. with the Raiders in 2021. He signed, and I don't know the guaranteed well, no, money. He was a two year, $26 million deal. Yeah. So $13 million.
4: Yeah I, on I, yeah. I would put him between 10 and 15. That's where I would put in Got
0: it. I, I do think we will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it off the air, but, you know, in my, in, in my dream game scenario, I'm taking Leonard Williams out because we got Ashawn, we got depth and Roches. we got depth in the middle, right, to back up snacks. And then you got, uh, Thibodeau and Aziz come off the edge. It'd be good to give them a, a player to kind of sub in and be equally as effective. But I hear you. You know, uh, it's 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 not possible. Probably no.
4: no it's, it's all good, Lucas. Appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. And look, I just think Leonard is also a better pass rusher than Nacho and A. Sean. I think he yeah. brings something a little bit more to the table than those guys too.
1: Yeah, you're not getting that sack production out of Nacho and A. Sean Robinson. Just look at their. Careers, And also, here's the other thing. Okay, so if we go down that hypothetical road, you get rid of Leonard Williams, Ashawn Robinson is now your guy. What happens if Ashawn, God forbid, gets hurt? I mean, he's no youngster. He's up there. And he's had injury Yeah, issues, okay, so now Nacho takes over for him. Now your depth is shot. Now Ryder Anderson your third guy. <laughs> I mean, right. you, it, there's a, a cause the and Baller, effect right here. Yeah, mm-hmm. So you have to take that into consideration. And, and once again, I'm with the caller. Would a third pass rusher... To compliment Kayvon and Aziz make sense? Yes. Sure. It goes back to John, the conversation we had earlier in the program. What did I point to? I said third pass rusher. But you've got to then say to yourself, in order to bring him in, do we hurt another position? You'd be hurting another position by bringing him in. All right, let's wrap it up with Scott in New Mexico. Scotty.
7: Hi, guys. How are you doing today? What up? Uh, one thing that, John, you inferred with some of the wide receivers you were talking about, uh, Justin Jefferson and uh, – Jim Mar- Chase, they're, they're all speed burners, but there was a guy and I don't think you mentioned, which was really great, uh, especially in the championship year, and that was uh, Cooper Cup. I, will,
1: I was, brought him up when we went over our top ten list.
7: No, and, oh, okay. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, and,
4: and Scott, I agree. Cooper Cup deserves to be in that conversation. No question.
7: Okay. Uh, my main points are this. The way I look at it, uh, as far as the Giants are concerned, there's only one football, and there's a lot of guys who are going to get it, but if you're patterning your offense around the, the sort of the model of the Kansas City team, which I think Kafka is trying to do, Waller in his good years, uh, he had, uh, I think, 90 catches one year, and in another year, I think he had uh, over 100, yep. uh, maybe 105 or so. And if he's the focal point of the team, I, w- I had two questions. One is, why shouldn't the Giants, if the l- offensive line holds up, why shouldn't they be scoring twenty-five or twenty-six points a game? Because they well, do because have it, talent. Because
4: it's very hard. I mean, do you know offhand, Scott, how many teams scored twenty-five points a game last year?
7: Not offhand. No. How I will tell you. There?
4: I will tell you in a second. I bet you it's less than six.
1: Yeah. It's not necessarily easy. From that standpoint, especially also when you take into consideration, consideration where they came from. I actually, I brought okay. it up, John, if you got want it. it. I yeah, got it right. in here mm-hmm. in front of me. Points per game last season, you had, let's see, 25 is the cutoff. 1, 2, 3, four, five, six, 7. 7. 17. 17. Seven, yeah. se-
7: okay. 17. But the, Gi- but the Giants have uh, personnel. Uh, they have people that can score. Uh, and also... Well, Scott, I, Scott, I, Scott,
4: Scott, Scott, Scott. I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. Do you think the Giants have a top 10 wide receiver group?
7: I well with Wallace. I mean, when you look at Kansas City, the, when they use they have, have his coaching, Patrick Mahomes. No, no, I'm not. He I realize that. Might be the best that. quarterback <laughs> in the history I, of and football. Very, I'm, not, I'm not arguing <laughs> that point. And a very I'm creative not scheme too. That point. And uh, just, one of the
4: top offensive lines in the league too. They're
7: they're, they're yeah, the they best offensive line, awesome. true. But I'm just saying, with the personnel that they have, with Hodgins and then some of the other receivers that they have, and some of the ones that they're developing, I look at them that they can score. My second point, even if they don't get to that 25- or 26-point level, uh, I wanted to ask the question of how many touches you think Saquon is going to get, because it's isn't a game? It sort of tied into his contract as to how much he's asking for, because I can't see him getting more than, say, 20 to 25 touches a game.
4: Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, that's a pretty good number. Exactly. I, I, I think somewhere from 16 to 20 carries and 2 to four catches a game and you're
7: at around 20 to 22 touches so so if that's the scenario is, is say he was asking for 14 million uh i i that was the last number that i heard would the giants look at that and say he's only he's only getting 20 to say 20 touches a game and maybe he'll get two passes I mean, or something 20 20
4: is a lot i mean 20 is more than every other player than except daniel jones
7: well, I'm looking at it in regards to all the great backs like Nick Chubb and people like that, Derrick Henry. Uh, and so. Well, no, no, no it...
4: that's the thing, Scott. That, that like, you're, it ends there. Like, okay. that's it. Like, there aren't any other 20 to 25 carries a game backs anymore. Well, like, Pollard, guys...
7: Pollard, if he's healthy, is going to get that many, I'm assuming. Do they, Scott, they 25 have gone, carries under the they have 25 gone carries.
4: out of their
1: way not to give
4: Tony Pollard that many carries a game so far in his career.
1: Well, I mean, to me, I think Christian McCaffrey is the guy we should be having the conversation yeah, about. but right. even they rotate guys No, a and lot that's there. my point. Right. No, no, but I'm saying I don't even think Derek Henry and Nick Chubb are right comparisons because they're not as involved, to me, I hear the what same you're saying. way Saquon right. in terms of the versatility. Right. If McCaffrey is the highest-paid running back, Scott, right. then that's all you need to know. Okay. Right, I mean, Christian doesn't get 25 carries a game, especially with a San no. Francisco team Great now that point. has a variety of different backs. So if Christian's getting that type of money, then why is it crazy to think Saquon can at least right. ask for that?
7: Okay, and that's basically, I was just trying to figure out that point and also why the Giants shouldn't be thought of as a good offensive team in regards to scoring points based on the fact that Waller's going to be the centerpiece. And because if he stays healthy, he had two phenomenal years where he was the guy and they were throwing him left and right and so with the red zone efficiency they have i'm thinking there's should be And they were fifth as you already as i, I think i talked about on another show even though they didn't score a lot of points they were there all the time so that's why i was thinking uh, they should be able to score a little bit well, more. Well, Scott, you know it would be a Thank good you, conversation to
1: have? Yeah, and appreciate the call. I'd be curious, John, before we wrap up here, what the Raiders averaged in his two career years, just as I a means of up. comparison. What years were they? Let's see. He had 2019 and 2020, okay. back-to-back years. Let's see. Let's see. In 2019, the Raiders averaged 19.6 points a game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then in 2020, I got it, right it got up to 27.1. So only one of the two seasons when Waller had his career years did they get over 25, which should just go to show you it's not so simple. You bring in the tight end, and then you know, everything works its magic. Here's the other thing I think you were getting at this. Let's just real quickly look at the seven teams last season that averaged 25 points per game. Okay, Kansas City, which is not a Mahomes. surprise. Buffalo. Josh Allen. And by the way, Buffalo is not an offense built around the tight end. They have wide receivers. Stephon Diggs. Okay? Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts. Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott. Detroit Lions. All right, well. Okay, maybe
4: I think an that's, exception. But, I think that's something you can you know, have a conversation about. I'm on about. Ross
1: St. Brown is a star-wide receiver we mm-hmm. were talking about, and they also had a pretty good run game, too. Let's not forget about that. And the Lions have a good line. the best. You could argue they may have the best offensive line in football. In fact, football. all the teams you've so listed
4: so far have very good
1: offensive yes. lines. San Francisco. Hmm. Okay, well, they're very unique in terms of their run game. And then Cincinnati. Sure. Look at their receiving core, too. I mean, yeah. Jamar Chase and <laughs> company with uh, Higgins. That is some group of teams that we just named. Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. But the Raiders, to me, is a good indication. Waller, one of his monster seasons, they averaged under 20 points a game. And the reason why I use that as an example is because if you noticed, when Waller was on the Raiders, they didn't have star wide receivers. Okay? No. Until Devontae Adams came along, but that was last year. They had a complimentary group, a nice group of guys, not... Players that put fear in the eyes of the opposition. And then Scott said, yeah, the Giants have a lot of red zone efficiency, but
4: they did not get there as much as they needed to. That was the problem, right? They, you know, they, they got when they, when they got there, they were good at it, but they didn't get the ball down there enough. And, of course, the big goal this year, and one of the things I wanted to mention with Brandon Brown, it, when he was asked about bringing in all the speed this offseason, he said, yeah, we need more explosive plays. And I don't want to keep pounding that to death here. But it's obvious. You score touchdowns with explosive plays. We've been through it a bajillion times. Lance. we will be through it again. That's how you score points in this league, and that's what the Giants are trying to do.
1: I'm just, real quickly, I'm looking up red zone in terms of opportunities. They had 49 possessions in the red zone last season, just to give you the volume-wise. Now, the Vikings, who they played in the playoffs. So that's less than three per game. Minnesota had 64. There you go. So big difference. Yeah, you know, I don't have the entire list, but I have my chart from preparation for the playoff game, and that was the regular season total. sixty-four for Minnesota, forty-nine for the Giants. Big difference. Yeah, huge difference.
4: That's almost a thirty percent difference. Because oh, right. do the
1: average over the course of seventeen games? Yeah, yeah. that's almost that's almost one
4: full red zone possession more per game for Minnesota. And over the course
1: of the year, that, that yeah, adds up. It 100% to those. Well,
4: that's good on. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll be back tomorrow for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Tomorrow it is, it looks like Paul and I, I believe, you right? and Paul. That is correct. And then Paul and I will be on Friday. Uh, for Pearson, for Lance, I'm Schmelk We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.